Bill's lesson today is in Luke chapter 12, titled, Hear the Spirit. Good morning. How are everyone? All right. Looking good. Feeling good. Feels like summer outside. Because it is. Summer starts, I know, when it starts, but it starts here a long time before that. Luke 12, I'm sorry. Luke 12. We're waking our way, making our way through the book of Luke. And we have been stopped now for, this will be the third time in the first 10 verses of chapter 12, and stopped for a very good reason, because there are some incredibly important uh, things for us to consider here. Uh, we're going to be in verses, verses 1 through 10. You know, some threats are um, truly threats, and you're in danger. Uh, there's uh, some things that are... Um, not so dangerous, let's just, let's just sort of say, and uh, issues and problems that, that, are, that are not really all that, they, that you thought they could be. There was a, a 911 distress call sent out by a woman. She had come home in the evening to find an intruder in her bathroom, and the door was shut. She could hear someone moving around in there. Uh, she did not. She's there by herself. Uh, she did not challenge whoever it was, of course. Uh, she goes back out to her car, locks the doors, gets on her cell phone, calls 911. There was a, uh, a policeman, a patrol car, not very far away, got there in about two minutes. Uh, he went in and sort of evaluated the situation, sort of shouted a few commands, you know, hey, come out of there, nothing happened, just someone moving around in the bathroom, door shut. And she said, you know, could it be a friend, you know, could it be a relative? She said, no, I, I, no, one is, no one should be in this house, the door was locked. Uh, when I got here, and so someone came in, unlocked the door, and then locked the door behind them, and then she said, it's, it's bad, and so he says, well, i got to call backup, so he calls backup, so they get several other patrol cars in, and a canine unit, Not, they just don't know, you know, <laughs> what's behind there, and, uh, you know, guns drawn, dog ready, uh, they forcefully open the door to find, uh, you know, one of those little Roomba robots, you know, <laughs> really clean bathroom, though, really, really clean, the... <laughs> The official police report read this way, the suspect was not taken into custody, however, it is likely to be sentenced to several months of continuous domestic servitude. So, Some threats are just nothing, and some threats, in fact, are everything, and Jesus gives us a threat, a warning here uh, that is extremely dangerous. Take a look at it here in verse 1 of chapter uh, 12. Under these circumstances, after so many thousands, so many thousands of a multitude had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, he began saying to his disciples, you think under those circumstances, he'd say, the, the biggest issue, well, that's what it is. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Jesus warns of the greatest threat that there has ever been or ever will be. See, it's greater than the threat of you losing your life. That would be bad. That's a bad day. The last day I'm here on earth, if something tragically happens, if an intruder in the bathroom turns out to really be an intruder and takes my life, well, that's a bad day. But it's not as bad as someone who gives you a doctrine. So that's just going to take up just your time, but as soon as you're dead, it's over. But someone who gives you a doctrine that, that doesn't kill your, just kill your body, but also kills your soul, far greater threat. Jesus says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, this false religion, this false teaching. Notice Jesus doesn't warn them about Pharisees necessarily. He doesn't just say, Be out, beware of the Pharisees. He does say that at one place, but not here. He says, beware of what they put out. 
They're false teaching. There you say, I don't know, the Pharisees, when was the last time a Pharisee knocked on your door? They're not coming around and say, hey, let me read a little Torah to you. You know, they don't have those guys anymore. They're long since gone, and that's exactly the way false doctrine is. False doctrine is like a virus. You're familiar with that, right? Constantly changing, mutating, changing, changing location, changing names, <clears throat> changing variants, changing philosophies, all as time progress. It's this yeast, this, this pervasive influence that Jesus is teaching on here. False doctrine works that way. Remember, it's all hypocrisy, spiritual hypocrisy. They claim to know God, but they do not. They believe it, but they do not. They claim to speak for God, but they do not. They claim to know the truth and speak the truth, but they do not. It's hypocrisy. They claim to be righteous, but they are not. They claim to be good, but they are not. They claim to be going to heaven, but they are not. They claim to know the way to heaven and teach the way to heaven, but they do not. They're extremely dangerous. They can harm not, only, not just your body, but also your soul. Beware of the yeast, he says. Beware, if you will, of the pervasive influence of false religion that is all around. This is the biggest existential threat. So if you die, but you die going to heaven, awesome. What really, what really has happened to you? I mean, that's bad. Last day of your life. But if you live, even thinking that you're going to heaven and everything's fine, but you die and you don't, that's bad forever. And that's what these guys do, these false teachers. They give you Advil when, in fact, you have cancer. It's not the solution. feels like it is, but it's not. So beware, he says, of these things. So how do we do that? We've seen that. We've been looking at that by honoring God for who he is and not for who we want him to be. One of, the, one of the greatest struggles we have in life, one of the greatest struggles you have and I have, is wanting to God to be who we want Him to be. When you come to the Scriptures and the Scripture says stuff that bothers you, right there you have God not being who you want Him to be. You have a decision to make. Do I follow my idea of who God is, or do I follow what the Scriptures say He is? Do I, do I continue to look for someone to tell me something different? You see, I'm my ears are itching, and I'm wanting someone to, to affirm what I already think is true, but I've already decided that I want God to be who I want God to be, and that's the essence of false religion and idolatry. Just making, how is it possible? You think about how crazy that is. For me to cut down a log, my friend Mike Shop right over here, I was there yesterday, Mike, by the way. I, don't, I didn't see my Coke and candy and cookies laid out for me. I don't know, what you're, I don't know what's happening there, Mike. You need to step up your game. But uh, <laughs> No, he's a, he's a great friend, allows me to use his shop for different woodworking things. So I go into Mike's shop, and I get on his lathe, and I take a log, and I turn it down, and I turn it into some kind of form or figure. I make it all by myself. Mike's going to have to help me because I don't really know what I'm doing. But, and, and we put it together, and we, we put some teak oil on it, and we stand it up in a room, and then we start praying to it. What do we have here? The God after what we want him to be. That God can be anything that I want. And if I'm designing a religion, first of all, the, the first part of that religion is I'm going to heaven. And if I want your money, you're not, unless you do what I say. You follow me? Follow money, right? That's how it works. I want God to be whatever I want him to be. And so instead of accepting the God that comes to me through the scriptures, I instead I change him to the way I want him to be, and the results is turning my back on who he actually is. Turning our backs on God actually starts very simply 
very almost imperceptibly. It, uh, it starts just, just, just simply turning away from the God-given abilities that God has placed within all of us. Look at what it says here in Romans chapter 1. For even though they knew God, that's an assumed fact for every person that comes into this planet. It's a given. If you will, if you want a mathematical equation, this is your given part. Everyone's given a certain level of knowledge who God is. You're born that way. You have to go around that. And that's what we do. Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasoning, and their senseless hearts were dark and claiming to be wise, they became fools. So I don't like the God that is the real God. I'm going to shape him the way I want. I'm born with a sense of, wow, this couldn't just happen. Someone must be putting this. Someone made me. But instead, I prefer to be a rebel and say, you know what? No one made me. I can, I can come up with my own God, and that's exactly fact what they do. But if you go wrong in the fundamentals, in the simple part of the equation, it is born with a simple knowledge that there is a God. If you don't, if you don't respond to that, listen, you'll go wrong everywhere else. Here's, here's a, here's a, that's a simple equation. Here's a simple equation. Can you add? Is that true or false? How do you know? Well, because it's observable. This is this is perfect example of good science. Because I take one person, and I stand him next to two people, another person, and how many people do I have? One, two. Well, not including me. So one plus one equals two. I take two Bibles, and I set them together. Now I have one Bible, two Bibles. I can do it in another language. Uno. Dos. I can do it in, oh, I can't, but multiple languages. I can do it in any culture. It doesn't matter. That's what real science is. Math is great science. Arithmetic is science. It's what it is. It's a science. So, but if I don't get this math right, no other math will be right for me. Make sense? So it doesn't matter how advanced I get in math. If I get 1 plus 1 equals 2.2, no matter how far I go in the higher levels of math, my math will always be wrong, even though I'm convinced that it's not. Even though I have been stringent to make sure that all the formulas, there's a simple formula, here's, a, here's another formula for you. That's, yeah, starts at the left, goes, there's the next page, and there's the final. Equals, there it is. So did you get it? Do you know what it is? It's one of the more difficult math equations that there are. So, but... Let's say I can solve for this, but I couldn't solve for, if I can back it up here, couldn't solve for that. 1 plus 1 equals 2.1 or 2.000001. My results from there on are going to be wrong. So I can't solve for this. I can't do this equation if I can't get the simple math right. And that's exactly what happens. Very simply, people have gotten away from who God is. It's, it's, it's just real simple. You were born with it. The, 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 the simple thing that they want to solve for the question of who God is while ignoring all the evidence that's available to every last person. And they think they're coming up with the answer, but it's not actually an answer. Because they've turned their backs on the very thing of who God is. And the result is, is they become fools. So yeah, I've got a degree in math. I am working higher equations but I never got the one plus one thing right in the first grade. doesn't matter what I do. 
doesn't matter how stringent I am, how careful I am, how detailed I am, how, how uh, precise I am on these, these very difficult equations. If I don't have that, that one right, I will never get them, uh, uh, anything other right. Our version of God will never equate to the real God. Never will. We have to accept God for who He is. He who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We have to come to God for who He is. You cannot come to a God who is something other than what the Scriptures reveal Him to be. You cannot. Think, think about it for a second. So we go, you're going to go searching for God, but you don't search for Him in the Scriptures. What are you going to find? You're going to find a God, by the way. Your heart will find Him. If you have to get on the lathe and make one, you will find one. You will make one because that's the way we are. Because I'm just determined to get this God out there, and I'm going to do that. So let's just use the same example. Let's say you're going looking for me. And I live in Port Isabel, and I've lived in Port Isabel for 21 years. But you go to San Antonio to find Bill Waddell. Now, is there a Bill Waddell in San Antonio? Probably. Probably. Some lesser version, no doubt. But... There's, there is a bill up there, and you find him in the phone book, and you go and meet him, and you have him out to eat, and you give him all the presents you were going to give to Bill, because Bill needs lots of presents, don't you know? And then in the conversation, you find out that this Bill doesn't like to fish. Have you found the right Bill? No. That's not the right one. First of all, not because he doesn't like to fish, but more importantly, you're looking in the wrong place. That's not where Bill is. You want to find God? You don't go everywhere. You only go one place with the Scriptures, so the Scriptures reveal who God is. God presents himself in the Bible as Trinity, and we see that in this passage that Jesus brings it here from Jesus' own mouth. Three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, someone to fear. Look at verse 2. Why? Because there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Why should we fear God? Because everything's coming out in the open. Verse 6, why should we fear God? Are not five sparrows sold for two cents and yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Because God sees everything. Why should you fear God? He doesn't miss anything. And then verse 5, why should you fear God? I will warn you, Jesus says, whom you should fear, fear the one who after he has, cash, he has killed has authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. No one else has that prerogative. No one else has the power. Why should you fear God? Because he has the capacity to throw you into hell, unlike anyone else. So, number one, one to fear. Number two, we saw last time, one to confess. If we want to come to God, we must confess the truth about his Son. No one comes to the Father, Jesus says, except by me. So I'm not sure about this Jesus thing, but me and God are just like this. Now, you've come up with a God that doesn't exist. A God that is outside the scriptures. You're hunting for Bill in San Antonio. That's not where he is. You found one. You've made one. But he will not take you from this life into the next one to any place good whatsoever. So one to fear. One to confess. One to hear. So, so we have Jesus. We cannot reject Jesus and not know God, right? He who rejects me rejects him who sent me, Jesus says. Again, 1 John, whoever denies the Son 
does not have the Father either. If someone tells you they're, they're okay with God, but they're not sure about Jesus, you know they don't know God. They don't know Him. God is inaccessible for someone who will not come to Christ. Cannot go around God, I go around Jesus and get to God. But here's the final one, the one to hear. We must listen to the Spirit or we will never be forgiven. Take a look with me here at verse 10 here in our passage. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son, <clears throat> should you do that? No. Can you be forgiven that? Yeah, look. Everyone who speaks a word against Jesus, not recommended. Shall be, it shall be forgiven. You can be forgiven. But listen, he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him. As we're going to see, not in this age, nor in the age to come. Wow. So one to fear, one to confess, one to hear. The Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. But listen carefully, and this is critical. No one comes to the Son except by the Spirit. No one comes to God except through the Son, but no one comes to the Son except through the Spirit. The Spirit is the gatekeeper. You will not come through the gate of the Spirit. You will not be forgiven. You will not. So, so God and the reality of God the Father speaks to us in broad terms for, as Creator God from heaven. Like I said, we're, we're born with this level of intellect that there is a God. He created us. God, God extends his, his reach to us as he comes to us in the person of his son to die as our Savior on the cross and resurrect to prove that he is the Savior. But the fullest extent of God's communique to us, listen, is when God sends his spirit. Jesus says, it's better that I go back to the Father. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus was still here? I mean, I, it'd be nice for some of my atheist buddies to say, hey, I'm having Jesus over for dinner. Why don't you come over and meet him? You know, a few miracles later, I don't think they'd believe him nonetheless, but anyway, it'd be cool. I would like that. Jesus says, as good as, as cool as it would be to still have him here, Jesus says, it's better for you that I go to the Father. Because if I do not go, he will not send the helper, which is the Holy Spirit. So as good as they had it, as good as the disciples had it in the three-year ministry of Jesus, seeing him, touching him, hearing him, ladies and gentlemen, we have it better because of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, like I said, yeah, the God the Father in heaven can't see him. God the Son, who becomes flesh, who we can see, who we can touch, but who can only be in one place. And then as that Son goes back to the Father, we have the Helper that comes, who can be in each one of us. It's the furthest reach God has to our hearts. Comes straight to us. I can see Jesus, but he can only talk to one of us at a time. The Spirit can talk to all of us at once. And he touches me in a way deeper than a language possibly can communicate to me. He touches all the way deep within my soul. And, and listen to me, that is as far as God goes. So if you reject the final word, the, the final avenue that God has, you're not willing to accept the Father who created us or the Son who died for us, but the communication of both of those truths to your heart, God does not have another remedy for you. There's not another answer. You've rejected the hearing of the Spirit, that is the blasphemy of the Spirit, and there is, you will not be forgiven. You will not. It, it is one thing to speak against God the Father who is invisible, it's another thing to speak against His Son and be forgiven, Now we saw that already, here it is in Matthew also. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son, it will be forgiven him. Haven't you done that? 
Haven't you blasphemed Jesus in some way by, by, by what you've said or what you've done? But let me tell you something. It's one thing to blaspheme God's reach to us through his son, but it's another thing altogether to blaspheme the spirit. But whoever speaks against the spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. God, through his spirit, comes all the way to our hearts to speak to us. And if that is not acceptable to you, there is not a fourth option. There's a trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there's not a fourth one coming. Can't get closer than your heart, closer than your soul. God has reached all the way to our soul, all the way to our heart, and to reject the final word from God is to blaspheme and reject God's final offer. There is not a remedy for that. There is not a remedy. That's why it says, you cannot be forgiven. You cannot. We can't come to God through our intellect or, or, or intuition. You can't. God's made sure of it. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know God. Why? Because they couldn't get one plus one right. So, so the equation of trying to answer the question of who God is, they of course are not going to be able to get that one right either. Because they wouldn't respond to the innate that all of us are built with. So one plus one isn't right, so it's impossible through all their knowledge and all their wisdom and all their education and all the letters after their names to be able to come to the real God. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know him. So people cannot approach God through intuition or intellect. People cannot approach God through transcendental exercises. How, why not? Because like I said, we started with the wrong equation. There's none who understands. None who seeks after God. Well, that's not true, Bill. We got people everywhere searching for God. You got every people praying in all kinds of religions. I know. They're searching for Bill in San Antonio. That's not where he is. They will not find him there. Oh, they'll find a Bill. They'll find a God, right? But it won't be the real God. It'll be a God, by the way, that makes them feel good. Oh, we found him. We're good. I'm good. I, I, I spoke to him today. Yeah, but like I said, he's, this false religion is prescribing, you have cancer, but they're prescribing an Advil. Will Advil make you feel better? Yes! No, it will! Advil works! It's, I, do you, have you never bought it? You should buy it. You have a pain, you have an ache, I'm 55 now, I'm having more of those. Can't go to sleep? Take some Advil. I'm a doctor, did I tell you that? Just not in this. Don't take too much of it. But if you got cancer and take Advil and it makes you feel better, are you now free from cancer? You wished. You wished. It does work, though, because you feel better. And if that's all that you want is to feel better and not to actually, but are, maybe I should say, so you feel better, but are you better? No, you're not. See, that's what false religion does. It gives you this Advil feeling. I, I know I'm good now, really, just because you feel that way. So, so, so you feel good, but are you really good? Are you really? People cannot approach God through transcendental exercise. You cannot approach God through your intellect. False teaching is every human's attempt to reach to God. Everybody trying to build their own tower to Babylon. Never be tall enough. Never be high enough. But every, every last one of them come and say, well, this time it's going to work. This time, all those idiots out there, they couldn't get the equation right, but I've got it figured out. Yeah, no. Searching for God in a place where God doesn't exist. 
And you won't find him there. In fact, we cannot reach God at all in and of ourselves. We can only hope, our only hope, is to listen to the voice of God as he reaches to us. Very important scripture here in Romans. So then faith comes by hearing. That's me just sitting there, not searching, but waiting. Because I know that a God who created me can also speak to me, right? Absolutely. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing not just in the ethereal realms, but hearing the word of God. And do you know who the author of that word is? Scripture is very clear. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never has origin the human will. The prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by who? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one who is the author, the mind behind the text of the Scripture, telling you who God actually is. And if you won't hear him, there is no remedy. There's not an alternative. God has it written, Bible part one, and Bible part two somewhere out there, even though that's exactly what the false religions say. Oh yeah, we've got the Bible. You know, you've got Mormons walking around with the King James Version. They have the Book of Mormon, which is the only thing they read, which contradicts everything that that says. You've got to have this to understand that. They say, no, there's not a version 2.0 of, of the Bible. He gives you one word authored by the Spirit, either you will listen to him and find God, or you will not. The author of the word is the Spirit. It is the Spirit who speaks the truth about God, and he doesn't do it through mystical experiences or transcendentalism. He speaks it through the word of God. You've been born again, it says in 1 Peter. Not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Of God. It's God's communication to us, authored by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit, and that is as close as God's going to come, as close as He can. So I reached all the way to your heart, all the way to your soul, and you said, No, there won't be a remedy for you. There won't be a remedy. So notice the pattern again. You cannot come to the Father except through the Son, but you'll not be able to know the Son unless you believe the testimony of the Spirit. You see? So yeah, do we have to accept Jesus? Absolutely, but no one comes to Jesus apart from the Spirit. They just don't. You have to confess Jesus, right? We have to. We have to confess Him. But, but when we confess Jesus, who gives us the ability to do that? Notice again, the gatekeeper. No one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. If you confess with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. God raises the dead. You shall be saved. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But I can't do that. Apart from the instrumentality of the Spirit, if I will not hear the Spirit, I will not come to Jesus. And if I will not come to Jesus, I will not come to God. And if I leave this life under those conditions, I will spend an eternity separated from that one God who is three persons. That's the facts. That's the math, if you will. That's how it works. You cannot be for God and against Jesus. We saw that last time. You can't be for God and say, I've got a problem with Jesus, though. You're not for God. The God you found doesn't exist. It's the Bill in San Antonio who doesn't like to fish. That's not Bill. 
That Bill's name, that's not the real Bill Waddell. Some Bill Waddell, but it's not this one. If you're looking for this one, he won't sound like that, I promise you. He'll say, when can I meet you at your boat? That's what he'll say. <laughs> you cannot be forgotten against Jesus, but apart from the work of the Spirit, you cannot say the truth about Jesus. Apart from the Spirit, you cannot accept the truth or say the truth about Jesus. He's the gatekeeper. He's the gatekeeper. If you don't come through him, through what he says, through his testimony. Oh, I don't like that testimony. He's not telling the truth. Well, you can have it that way. There's no fix for you. There's no forgiveness for you. Our greatest need is to be forgiven. It is the Spirit of God who has the final call. It's the Spirit of God who teaches us and leads us. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus speaking, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said. There's not another teacher. So, so if you're not willing to listen to him and what he says, well, then there's, well, there's not an answer for you. So, so the math will never work for you. It'll never come together. The equation will never add until you listen to him again. John 15, when the Helper comes, Jesus says, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. No other spirit does. No other spirit does. So, so you want to find Jesus, but you don't want to come to the Spirit. Listen, you won't hear about Jesus. You'll hear about a Jesus. There's all kinds of Jesuses out there. But the Jesus that saves... The Jesus that died for us and resurrected and is sitting at the right hand of the Father today, listen, is communicated to us through the Spirit. And the Spirit has authored a book. If you will not hear him, listen, there's not a remedy. There's not an answer. You cannot come to him except through the Spirit. If you reject the Spirit's teaching and his testimony, there's just simply not a remedy. So to avoid the greatest threat to humanity, which is false teaching, you must come to the true God. But you cannot come to the true God except by the Son. But you cannot confess the truth about the Son except by the Spirit. He's the gatekeeper. Are we coming to Him? Are you coming to Him through His Word? He's given you a letter. So, so, so you're going to, a, to a, a false teacher. And how do we know He's a false teacher? Because He's offering you Advil when you have cancer. He's not preaching to you repentance. He's not telling you about your sin. He's, get, he's making you feel good. You go home feeling okay. I feel confident. I've gotten a, uh, you hear these guys that, are, that use the Bible as, as, they're just inspirational speakers and they use the Bible as a text. That's not preaching the Bible. They don't tell you things that you really need to hear like repentance, like fear of God, like you need to turn to Christ or you will go to hell. You need to turn to Christ, and you have to come through the Word, which is authored by the Spirit. When you don't hear those things, here's what you've got. He's handing you out Advil. You go home feeling good. We talk about them all the time, the feel-good preachers out there, right? They do make you feel good. It does work, but only for a extended period of time. And that time will come to an end. So We have to come to God through the avenue that He's given to us, and that avenue is through the Scriptures, authored by the Spirit, to the Son, and ultimately to the Father. That's how it works. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads. Close your eyes with me as we think about these things. Have you come to the real God? I said built into all of us is the knowledge of who God is, but also because of our sin, 
built into all of us is the willingness, the unwillingness to accept God for who he is. We want a God that we can manipulate. We want a God that fits our preconceived ideas. We want a God who is not rough on our sins and lets us do whatever we want. That God, ladies and gentlemen, does not exist. It's a figment of our imagination. It's the epitome of false teaching and of idolatry. We have to turn away from those gods to turn to the real God, the God of the Scriptures, the God whose Son is Jesus, who died to pay for our sins, through whom alone, through His blood alone, only is there forgiveness. God, I thank you for communicating to us. Certainly since you created us, you know how to speak to us, but Lord, we cannot turn our deaf ear to what you say and expect to know you for who you are. Our world is inventing gods all over the place, inventing Jesus's, speaking to spirits, but not the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would rescue us from this uh, clear and present threat, Lord, that's, that's near us, all around us. We would take the words of Christ very seriously and step out of the darkness of that into your light. Thank you, God, for, for these words. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.